0: All right, good to good to see you. Take a look in Daniel chapter five. Daniel chapter five. <clears throat> so with with this chapter we will be done with the Babylonian Empire. <laughs> uh all right, so first thing you notice, they look at three first three verses. First three verses. First, first thing you notice is King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand. And uh, this is the last day of King Belshazzar's life and the last day of the Babylonian Empire. So we have skipped... Down to about 539 B.C., uh, we, the writer skips over a number of different kings that uh, were in the Babylonian Empire. Uh, Belshazzar has a father named Nabonidus. Uh, He uh, reigns from 556 uh, to 539, but about 549, 10 years prior to this event, Nebonidas decided that uh, he liked to worship the moon god and other gods and nobody, and wanted to switch the gods of Babylon. And, and nobody seemed to like that, so he just skedaddled out of Babylon and went to all places uh, just south of Edom uh, in a town named Teman. And he camped out there and let his son, uh, Belshazzar, take over uh, the throne. And so that's why we're we're dealing then with Belshazzar. What in the in the Daniel five text indicates that Belshazzar and Nabonidus are co-regents? Co-regents, co, yeah, both both reigning, yeah. Did you spot something in the reading that would give you that idea? Pardon. Uh, well, no, he, it, it, uh, he's actually probably a grandfather or great-grandfather, but, uh, but there's something more clear. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. yeah, he offers anybody who can interpret the handwriting on the wall as you'll be third ruler in the kingdom. So uh, it, it's quite evident that Belshazzar didn't have a right to say he's the second ruler because his, his dad is already uh, a ruler. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar would have been dead by now. Uh, we don't, I mean, at least I don't know exactly when Nebuchadnezzar's reign comes to an end, but we do know that Nebuchadnezzar is responsible for the fall of Jerusalem, and the uh, the complete uh, desolation, de- desolation of the temple, et cetera, And what year does the fall of Jerusalem happen? Oh, you can't. No, fall of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Pardon? 586. All right. So there are three invasions into Judah by Babylon. The first one is in what year? You can't go to heaven without this now, you know this. (laughs) 605, all right. What uh, what prophet is taken captive? Daniel. Second invasion is in? 597. And what prophet is taken captive in 597? Ezekiel. And, uh, and Ezekiel begins to prophesy about five years later in, fi- in 593. And then, of course, the third invasion is in 580, actually 587. It takes about a year and a half uh, to take uh, Jerusalem out. But Jerusalem falls in 586. And uh, the prophet that's in the city when Jerusalem falls is... Jeremiah. Okay, good. And, uh, and so now we have come to these many years later, we're 539, and what nation is about to conquer Babylon? Yeah, the Medes and the Persians have a coalition in which they are uh, uh, invading and uh, surrounding Babylon and ready to take Babylon. And it just so happens that as this big party is going on, verses 1 through 3, in which they're drinking themselves drunk with a thousand others, uh, the Medes and the Persians are outside the city and have been for quite some time trying to get into the city and conquer the city. And you notice how concerned Belshazzar is about that. Not concerned at all. And the reason he's not concerned is because of the massive walls that surround Babylon. Uh, I was doing some research on it and, and there's all kinds of different different guesses uh, depending on what historian, ancient historian mentions, uh, anywhere from the walls being 100 feet tall to 300 feet tall and uh, somewhere in that gauge. And then a big uh, moat in between. Uh, The Euphrates River flows through the middle of the city, providing water for the city. And, uh, and there are big towers going around the city. The walls are, one of the walls, I don't know which one, probably the outer wall, is so thick that four uh, chariots with horsemen can ride around the wall side by side. So it's very, very wide. And uh, the wall goes 41 miles around the city. So Belshazzar is not concerned. And he hasn't been for quite some time. Those guys have been out there to the point where he's yawning and going, hey, let's have a big party because there's no way anybody can get us. But he will die that night and Babylon will fall that night because good old Cyrus the king who was prophesied that he would do this by whom? Who prophesied Cyrus would come in and do this? Pardon? Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied this over in Isaiah chapter 45 and uh, said that Cyrus would come in and release the captives so that they could go back to uh, Jerusalem and that Cyrus would then be God's servant. He's one of the servants in the book of uh, Isaiah. He would be the servant who would come in and uh, do God's bidding. In, in releasing the captives, conquering Babylon, etc. So Cyrus and his armies uh, with the Medes and the Persians are outside, and they're digging trenches and canals off of the Euphrates River and diverting the water so that it drops low enough that the whole army can march underneath the walls into the city and take it without a shot fired. That's that, and... Um, they burned the palace down and Cyrus, uh, I mean not Cyrus, but Belshazzar is killed and there you go. So uh, you can't keep God out of a city. <laughs> If he wants to get in, you're not going to do anything about it. And that was uh, God's decree. All right, so there's a little setup then for uh, for this uh, this particular uh, situation. When you look at one through three, just take a second and and look at those those three verses. In fact, let's just read them together. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver, that Nebuchadnezzar, his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem, he brought that the king, um, uh, that he uh, temple in Jerusalem he brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, of, of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, and wood and stone. All right. What stands out to you in those those three verses about Belshazzar and what he's doing here? Yes, could. Okay. Certainly a show of power, exactly. A show of who he is. There's a whole bunch of arrogance here, isn't there? <laughs> Just a bunch of arrogance. All right, what else? Go, on, Michael. I mean, the end of verse 4 you should ring a bell so instead of statue, right? Yeah. <clears throat> all the gods, except for wood, all of them are in the exact same order as right. Matthew chapter 2, that statue. Right, so all these man-made gods are being praised, while what's happening to Yahweh? He's yeah. So he the Yahweh's being mocked, and all the other gods are being praised that are meaningless, nobody gods. And so this is this is all going on. So it, it is is really a mockery of the true God and. What else would you say about Belshazzar in contrast to the first four chapters? He's full knowledge. <laughs> Good, yeah. Of who God was. Yeah, he, 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 has, uh, he has a problem um, uh, repeating history <laughs> and in a worst way, and yet he doesn't learn. He doesn't learn from his father. He doesn't learn from what had gone on. Uh, As Daniel will later tell him, you knew full well everything that had happened to your dad. And uh, you didn't do anything about this. Uh, And you you just disregard it. So he is is the ultimate epitome of arrogance. And uh, he is mocking God, just basically throwing it in his face. Remember how these pagan nations would look at this. They look at it like, "Our God Bel uh, conquered the God of Israel, Yahweh." So the, you, we, we have that uh, right before us. Now, I, I ask one more question about this in this. Um, we suddenly have this jump in time where Daniel, the book of Daniel omits the reigns between of a couple of different uh, kings between Nebuchadnezzar here and Belshazzar. Uh, why the jump? Uh, anybody have some ideas of why he just suddenly goes? Well, let's just skip those kings and come over here to Belshazzar. Any any thoughts? Maybe a couple of things that we might might come to our mind. Okay. Yeah, there, there's connections. I mean, he, I, he does. He wants to connect Nebuchadnezzar and his, and his uh, experience with what's going to happen now to bring the empire to an end. And what would be some of those connections other than the fact uh, that uh, somebody got pretty lax here as a, as a king, though he knew what had happened. So what would, what would some connections you would find between what happens in chapters 1 through 4 and now what Belshazzar uh, does? Or, what happens to Belshazzar and the nation? I oh, don't know if this is exactly answering your question, but I was trying to figure out why we have chapter 5 before we have chapter 7 and 8 that also mention Belshazzar. And I think what I was able to come up with is the this, this start of Belshazzar's story is very similar to the start of Daniel's story. You have the same God, the same uh, tools that were used for worship in Israel that. That Nebuchadnezzar stole and put in his temple. And then we have Belshazzar doing those exact same things. We also have a dream or not a dream interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar, and now we have this handwriting on the wall. They're both seeking
1: interpretations. There's a lot of parallels between
0: Good. the first stories of Nebuchadnezzar and the first story Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely excellent. Uh, that's right. So what, what you're what you've discovered here is this: Daniel has no intention of giving us a history of the seventy years of captivity and telling us what's going on and you know all of those things. That is not the purpose of the book. He is he is laying out how that that the God of Israel and the kingdom of God can be misconstrued during during this time. Because Yahweh appears to have been defeated. And so he wants, obviously, to show that the kingdom, God's kingdom, and the kingdom of God, and and God himself supersede all other kings and as we have already seen in chapter 417 God rules in the kingdoms of men and gives it to whomever he wishes so there is that principle and as Allison said there's these connections so this event fulfills the great image of chapter 2, the great image dream that Nebuchadnezzar had of chapter 2, in which your, your nation and you are, you know, your, your empire is going to come to an end. Another is going to come and take over that, and another after that, and another after that. And then there's going to be the kingdom of God, which is going to conquer all the others. And so it is a bold statement, not only to these kings, but to, to uh, the nation of, of Israel and what captives are there, that uh, it's not over. And what God has done, as Ezekiel will, of course, show more of, what God has done is start reversing the, pro, the how that his name has been profaned among the nations. He's starting to reverse that. So as Ezekiel's statement, they will know that I am the Lord when. I, can't, I, I should have counted all of those, but I, I'll look it up sometime. But it, that says it oodles and oodles of time, He's like, they're going to know who I am once this happens. And so God is starting that reversal there. So there's this big jump in time that just sets us up right right there. Very good. All right. Um, <clears throat> uh, let's see. Anything else there? Uh, boop, 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 boop. Okay, good. Let's go on to uh, verse 5 down through verse 12. Just take about uh, 60 seconds here and and scan through that. Uh, And uh, let's come up with some uh, observations then from this part of the story. Okay, what you take. What what are some of the things that that uh, are important to notice here? Keep repeating that it's color changes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's turning white and turning red and turning everything else. So, yeah, there's a lot of, in fact, more than that, isn't it? There's a lot of bodily response to this. Knees knocking, color changes, uh, greatly alarmed, perplexed. Uh, he, he is really uh, gone through an emotional and physical uh, fit here. Bam. (laughs) Well, we have a repeat of that. We do. That's right. That's right. Good observation. We have have a real repeat of this. The arrogance comes out, drinking wine in God's vessels, and he goes, okay, watch this. Uh, You ever, uh, I'm sure you have, just imagined uh, this. Human hand, uh, I always think of the Adams family you know thing <laughs> this, this human hand that that comes out and you can just imagine just starts writing on the wall and and uh, and, and these words meanie, meanie, dekel, you and <laughs> and he just flips a lid now, all this physical evidence of fear, shaking, trembling, perplexment, and just uh, all of that stuff that surely indicates repentance. It surely does not. Isn't that interesting? People a lot of times today think, oh, if I have a religious experience, then I'm, I must have uh, had a salvation experience. Not unless you repent and do something about it, because this guy has quite the experience, quite the trembling, and does nothing about it. In fact, he's as arrogant afterwards as he was before. What else do you notice in this section? That, that's exactly right. That's a great, great point. Where's Daniel? You know, he gathers all the char- charmers and all these enchanters and all these But, but Daniel's not there. Daniel has long ago apparently just been put aside, put out the pasture. Nobody cares about him. Next king's come up. Reminds you of something you know, like in Egypt when another king rises who doesn't know Joseph. And, uh, and so that's the end. You know, you have a new administration, so to speak, and he gets his own guys and his own counselors, and he, he ha- pays no attention whatsoever to Daniel or what Daniel was to his father. And, uh, and so you see that, that major change. In fact, who does it take to get Daniel in there? Yeah, the queen, probably the queen mother here, I would imagine, and uh, she has to confront him. Okay, good. What else? Good. Yeah, right. So uh, you, you would say he's he's at least about eighty years old. Uh, we we have already had. Uh, you know, sixty some years just getting to, uh, from 605 to 539 is seventy years, and if Daniel was say 15 or 16 years old, uh, you have him close to, close to 80 years old. So, so he's an old guy by this, and you um, you you you're going to see in the next section. I'm sure you you've noticed that that Daniel's kind of crotchety by this point. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't take in any guff whatsoever. <laughs> he rips the king. It's it's actually pretty funny. Uh, but anyway, so you have that. Uh, what about what, What's your observations about the queen mother here, and what uh, how she speaks to Belshazzar? Sounds like she's babying a little bit. But don't be afraid. Really? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, she obviously says, don't be alarmed about being, to not even being able to understand this. I got a guy who can do this. True. All right. What else, though, in the things she goes on to say uh, uh, to him? I mean, it, it may be subtle, but it like there's some implication there. Yeah in the past. And I think that's the lesson she's trying to teach him yeah. here. Maybe he saw everybody doesn't I may understand what has happened in history, including this man Daniel, who was the greatest of the student model. Right, you you have known nothing about this guy, and yet he <laughs> how what did Nebuchadnezzar do for Daniel, what according to the to her? Made him chief of of all these wise men. And hey, uh, young man, you paid no attention to this. You didn't pay any attention to what your father did and how he exalted him and how important he was. In fact, what did she say about Daniel? Yeah, he has extraordinary spirit. Yeah and she he can interpret this he, he he's he is an extraordinary man he is this great and excellent spirit he he is just a great guy <laughs> in every way good man and he's able uh, to interpret this uh, you you should have known this long ago i think there's a subtle rebuke there uh, of him of just not understanding how badly he has misappropriated his own uh, kingdom and his own power by not knowing these things. So he can solve these problems. So she says, you let Daniel bring. Anything else? When you, especially when you look at verse 12. Anything after verse 12? You going to say something? I don't, this is, I don't know what you're Yeah, no, go ahead. Verse, 12, verse 22 makes it sound like it's more rebellious than it is you know, for say, Oh, well. absolutely. Because it says, although you already this. Yeah. So he absolutely. made a story of what happened in the next Yeah, he did. So, yeah. It seems hard to that he didn't was. Yeah. Well, it, it, if he didn't, it, I mean, he he may not have. I mean, he may have heard the name before, but he obviously is not impressed. You're right. Uh, but anyway, yeah. There's there's a there's quite a bit of rebelliousness here. So you you see something in verse 12 about how she talks about Daniel. Sure. She said, "So give you the interpretation." I can't hear you. She said, "So give you the interpretation." Yeah, he'll give you the interpretation. How does she refer to Daniel? Notice. By his real name. Your father gave his name as Belteshazzar, but, but he, she refers to him as Daniel. And he has the spirit of God in him. And, you know, she, she makes that point. Uh, Belteshazzar, of course, is a name after his God. Daniel is a name after Yahweh. Uh, God will judge Daniel means, and and so he he she draws that difference by actually calling him Daniel and not Belshazzar, as Nebuchadnezzar would have. True. It's not super related to this, but I heard a sermon one time that said, why do we call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when those were Babylonian names exactly for like praising those gods versus their Jewish names of Hananiah, Azariah and Mishael, which yeah. are like Jewish names. Right. And that point just like has always stuck with me ever since yeah. I was like a ten year old of like, yeah, we should call them their Jewish names because yeah. that's the god that's And then nobody know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, the thing of it is, kids. Click, those those Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We can remember that. Kids ago go, eh, Mishael? all this. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just remember my little cousin saying, "Shadrach, Meshach, and under the bed we go." So, uh, <laughs> it's easier for a kid to remember. I bet you that's the only reason. It just happens to be easier for a kid to remember. But you know, when you get the story uh, uh, there of the of the statue and everything, that's what they're that's what they're. Call. Alright, so with that, yeah, go ahead. Just one. The thing I don't get is, unless Daniel has completely fallen from the station, verse 8, they bring all the wise men in, and they're not able to read the writing. To me, it's conspicuous that Daniel's referred to as the leader. He's been one of the leader of the wise men, and he's still a wise man. It's, for some reason, he's not he's not part of that group. I me, mean, just a bit conspicuous given the rather accusive way <coughs> his about his the position he's been given. Right. Yeah. I mean, from from my in my opinion. It has been so many years, for one thing, since he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's stuff and all of that, and then all that has gone by. And, uh, and so he has just kind of dropped, dropped off, and maybe Belshazzar appointed a bunch of new guys, and, and Daniel just not included. It's just a guess, but uh, that may be the idea there. Maybe some like ages, too, right? Just the fact that he's old. Yeah, you know, who wants to listen to an old guy? <laughs> I don't, you know. <laughs> what? But to the point, Nebuchadnezzar made a ruler of Babylon. How about that means? But when Daniel's over the screen, it says that Nebuchadnezzar made a ruler of Babylon. So what happened? Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel ruler of Babylon? Where is it? I know he made him chief of the magicians and all of that. Okay. Two forty-eight. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. Okay. King Daniel high honors and, and great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province. Of Babylon, chief prefect over the, all the wise men of Babylon. Okay, exactly. That didn't last <laughs> too, too long, especially. Point about Belshazzar coming in and probably appointing his own people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. well, we all know it doesn't take a whole long time for people to forget. <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah, I don't yeah, care. No. He's my, he's That's right. And, and again, you can compare that with Joseph. Uh, how does the next king come in and not realize Joseph saved Egypt from extinction, basically? Uh, how do you not recognize that, of what the, how great he was and what he did? He didn't care. That was then, this yeah. is now. That's right. That was then, this is now. That's very, very true. Okay. Uh, So, okay, quickly, 13 down, and just go down to verse 23, 13 to 23. All right, uh, concentrating especially on Daniel's uh, speech here, what do you, what do you notice? Uh, he, he really doesn't care what he says to this king, does he? he, he does, he's not nice to him. He's not gentle. He's not at all res- have the kind of carefulness and respect that maybe he had for Nebuchadnezzar. You know, Daniel showed a lot of care for Nebuchadnezzar. He, he said, I hate it that this is going to happen to you. I don't want this to happen. He, he, he was all of that. So there's, there was a soft spot in, in his uh, heart for Nebuchadnezzar. And apparently even God was different with Nebuchadnezzar than he is with Belshazzar. How how is that seen? Yeah, he, he gave him all these chances and, and, and each time Nebuchadnezzar would learn and not rebel and he would he would grow in his knowledge of God. With Belshazzar, it's like you already had all you you had all the knowledge you needed. You knew what happened to your father. You knew all the things that took place. And you just disregarded it. So important for us. We may not have all, we don't have all the things that happened in the first century. And all the incidents that took place in the whole Bible. We don't have somebody dropping dead because they offer a different kind of uh, worship than what they're supposed to. We don't have those things, but we're aware of it and accountable. That's a great, great lesson here. Uh, Belshazzar, you're accountable for what you should have known about God, not hard, and you didn't pay attention. Oh, good. What else do you see about Daniel here? He didn't the reward. He said, give it to <laughs> Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, list some quick things why he doesn't care about the reward. Yes, the the kingdom's going to end tonight. Oh, goody, I'm going to be the third in the... (laughs) I mean, it's just so silly. Plus... You know, what's an 80-year-old man care about that stuff? I don't care about that stuff. Keep your junk. <laughs> Give it to somebody else. I'll tell you the writing anyway. You don't have to bribe me. <laughs> uh, you, you just see the crustiness of Daniel by this time, and it's, it, it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> okay? now what else? Notice what he says in 18 and 19. 18, 19, and 20 about God. the phrase God gave. Exactly. So he's go right back to what you see back in chapter one. God gave, God gave, and then God took away. <laughs> So so he's emphasizing These are the things you knew. God gave. God gave. This is the reason you have power. This is the reason you're on the throne. It's the same thing about Nebuchadnezzar, your father. God had given these things, and when he got arrogant, God took those things away from him. You should have understood these things, that you are in submission, must be in submission to the God of heaven. So a very, very plain thing, telling him all about that. Then as we've mentioned in verse 22, he says, and you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though, you knew all this. No, so it's very plain. He. This is a strong, strong rebuke. And then turns in verse 23. And by the way, in 22 and 23, you'll see the word you, yourself, and um, and uh, let's see one one other. Uh, just you, yourself, and where did I have it? It's written down here somewhere. And yeah, you, your, and yourself depending on your version, but it used at least 13 times in just two verses. You, you, <laughs> you, 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 uh, over again. You, his son, have not humbled your heart. they've You knew this. You have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of the house have been brought in. So all the way through, uh, what do you think about those last words of verse 23? Sorry. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty pretty amazing. The God in whose hand is your breath. <laughs> he can just go and take your breath. He gave it to you, he can take it. And and in whose are all your ways you have not honored. That, that ought to be a wake-up call for every human being. What? How are we handling the breath God gave us? How are we handling the strength God gave us? And what we do with it. It's all in his hand. Very, very strong words there. Okay, anything else on... Daniel's speech there. I, I just imagine being the king, a guy who's not used to people speaking that way to him. <laughs> And he just, Daniel just lays him out. And this is bluntly your condition. I mean, what's Daniel got to worry about? <laughs> this guy's got a few hours to live and the kingdom's going to be gone anyway. All right, so the final thing is is verse 24 through 31. And you'll notice that that's, you'll notice verse 24. Then from his presence, the hand was sent. There's another God thing from His presence, the hand was sent. I, I was thinking today about what it must have been like for Belshazzar to hear the God of heaven, in whose hand is your breath, sent that hand right from His presence. He sent the hand to tell you what was about to take place. Uh, wow, uh, that that's. That's it. And he, in and, and fact, look at the end of verse 24. And this writing uh, from his, his hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. God wrote it. <laughs> uh, very strong there. All right. And then the words. Now, here's what's a bit weird: uh, many, many is, is, is just numbered. That's all it means, just numbered. Now, Daniel gives an explanation, an interpretation of it, but if you were just looking at it from the Aramaic standpoint, it would just be many, many, that is numbered, 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 and then Tickle, uh, Tickle, or however it would be pronounced, is just simply weighed, and then... Parson, by the way, the U in, uh, if you were reading Old King James, U farson or whatever, is the and. is just the and there. So, uh, meanie, meanie, n- tickle, weighed, and then uh, parson uh, s- simply means divided. So, if you were just reading those words, you'd go numbered, numbered, uh, weighed, divided. What's it mean? And Daniel goes, okay. Here's what it means: your your days are numbered, and uh, time's up. Uh, and uh, the repeat of that indicating, uh, for sure, it's over. And then you're you're you have been weighed in the balances, and you're found wanting. <laughs> you put. Uh, you put Belshazzar on one balance and you put <laughs> a judgment on the other and, <laughs> and uh, he's done and then your kingdom is going to be taken away and divided and given to the Medes and the Persians and right after he says that Belshazzar gave the command okay this is great you know thanks for the interpretation clothing with the finest things put a you know, gold chain around him and make him the third ruler in the kingdom yeah, can you can you just imagine, Daniel? Oh, sheesh. <laughs> As he walks out of his presence with a bunch of junk on him, you know, and he's taking it off when he gets out and throwing it away because that's the end. And then the very next words, that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Boom! Done. Um, In the book, because it uses the NET Bible, it uses the word "peres" P-E-R-E-S instead of "quam." Does it mean? I mean, obviously, means the same thing. I'm just wondering, is it a language? Is it a? Yeah, because uh, the Hebrew just is consonants, (laughs) and so they have to fill in vowels, and different different translators are going to guess at different vowels. Uh, so it's still a Hebrew word. It's still a Hebrew word. Well, it's a Aramaic word. Yeah, the, we're still in the Aramaic section here. Uh, but you might remember Perez with uh, uh, Tamar's twins. And one was Perez because he, 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 he broke forth and uh, that, that corner thing, so similar. I think it's the same word, but anyway, that's why he called that. All right, so everything is set up then for the last of the uh, um, uh, first half of then Daniel, which we'll look at uh, next week. Obviously, there is a lot here that everybody is aware of the story and stuff, but you need to look at it more carefully and take a look at some of the lessons we should learn from this. Why Darius is called the... Why would they give his age? Oh, why would they give him his age? I haven't sliced the idea. Yeah, it is interesting <laughs> that he, he places it that way. That's right, about 62 years old. He's trying to show that, uh, uh, you know, Darius is older than Cyrus, and so he's got the first shot at it. He, he apparently doesn't last a whole long time, though, because Cyrus is the primary king that, uh, that we more learn, learn about. Either that or he just kind of disappears from the importance of the story. Either way. All right, very good, folks. Appreciate it.